We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Every time I see the replay of it, I'm expecting it to like hit the screen, hit a wire. I'm expecting it not to, you know, be able to, to travel because it is thrown at such a trajectory. It's December 2015, Packers at Lions. This is Remember That Game, the podcast about sporting events that take you on a journey and maybe chart the path of the zeitgeist. I'm your host, Thomas Emmerich, and my guest here for the show's network launch is the executive producer of Rotoviz Radio Podcast Network and host of Rotoviz Overtime, Colm Kelly. I'm thrilled to bring Remember That Game to the Rotoviz Airways. How are you feeling as we lace up and get ready for Thursday night football for your Packers in Detroit? I'm excited. I cannot wait for this. This was a game you asked which game, and you know, there's some games that are you know, Super Bowl wins, different things like that, playoff wins, but this is a game that really has stuck in my mind. We'll talk about the reasons why that is. There's sentimental reasons. There's the play that finished this game off and, and much, much more. So I'm excited for all that, but I'm also excited to have the podcast on the road of his network. I'm excited to see where it goes and grows over the, the next couple of months and hopefully over the, the next year. So I am going to urge anyone listening that is listening on Road of His Radio is where you're going to be listening to this. You'll also be able to hear it on its own individual podcast feed. Make sure you subscribe, come back, and hear each and every episode. You can go back as well. There is a catalog of these episodes from people from all around the fantasy space, and um, not just fantasy, but I guess the the football space to uh, talk through their favorite moments, their favorite games, and, and some of the names in there I'm sure you'll be looking to dive in and listen to. So check all that out. But Thomas, let's do this uh, and welcome to Rotoviz. Yeah, great to be here. And I think this is a great fit. Like, say, Julius Peppers joining the Packers, who ends up making a huge play in this one. I went back for that edition because there were really no notable outside signings in 2015, as was generally Ted Thompson's way. Packers running it back with their guys and their draft picks. And they were perennial Super Bowl contenders doing it, with weird things kind of getting in their way, like, onside kicks or the Niner offense well it's winter 2015 and capers versus Harbaugh in the playoffs is an impossibility things are probably a little better sorted out on the hands team this year Uh, many know this one as the Rogers Hail Mary game in Detroit what made this week 13 game from the very start such an emotionally involved game for you as a Packers fan you I've got to say a few things here you almost like started this off with you know one of those kind of sandwiches where it's like it's starting off positive let's talk about some of the bad stuff that happened for many years with the Packers and then let's sweeten it up here as we get to the end but you mentioned the 49ers I just when you mentioned that I, that was gone from my mind the flashbacks to Colin Kaepernick just 
galloping through the Packers defense uh, is the stuff that I feared. We had the the playoff game as well where Kaepernick comes to Lambo. We're talking about the cold. The 49ers aren't going to like the cold. He comes out with no sleeves on. He's ready to roll and they, they tear it up again. The Seahawks game, if we had to talk about which game is the most painful, I think, in my entire Packers fandom is the Seahawks NFC Championship game. When you mentioned onside kicks, that was, I think, what you were referencing there. That is the the stuff of nightmares. Uh, and two years ago, the 49ers come in and they cleaned us out again in a situation. And that was really painful because it was a shocking loss because we kind of weren't expecting that the Packers were on a bit of a roll there. But this game in particular, to set the scene, I lived in Melbourne, Australia for a period of time with my wife. She was then my fiance at that time. And we had like this uh, one bedroom apartment where it had the bedroom, then obviously everything else, but it was pretty much in the, you know, it was really one room that was turned into an apartment uh, with a kitchen and everything like this. So she's sitting at this paper thin sliding door wall that's at the opposite side when this game takes place, because I want to set the scene because obviously when this final play happens, there is some activity from me who is watching at the opposite side of that wall and uh, it may have frightened her a little bit. So yeah, the, the scene here is you mentioned the Packers and how they went about things. Free agency wasn't something until very, very recently that they did attack. And Peppers was somebody who, obviously, Chicago Bears legend. I don't know if he still is in that mode since he went to the Packers and had a, a nice little run with Green Bay as well, but just a, a freak of a player. So they had started to add some players in. And as we go through this game, some of the names we talk about, people will be kind of probably wondering, how was this team contention for playoffs year in year out but uh it managed it and the main reason for that is one Aaron Rodgers <laughs> yeah I mean get in here you'll notice there's gonna be no Jordy Nelson Packers have the back-to-back of that NFC title loss on an onside kick and a punter throwing a a pass into the end zone that is caught by a Seahawks player somehow. And just various things like that uh, conspire to knock the Packers out of a, a Super Bowl bid there. And then second week of the preseason, the following August, Jordy Nelson's out. On a routine play, which did not look like it was going to be a, a season ender. The knee injuries that seem like nothing, oh, sometimes so brutal there. And for the Packers, uh, seemingly brutal until the year starts, 6-0. and but to build up some of this drama and the angst here, maybe for Packers fans, I wonder, they dropped three of four heading into Detroit. They're sliding a bit. Detroit had beaten the Packers in Lambeau three weeks earlier on the verge of their first sweep of the Packers since 1991 at that point. Did the 2015 and 2016 teams feel different than the previous five campaigns? Don't necessarily think, obviously, the, the years that they won the Super Bowl, a young team getting to that point, maybe not expected heading into the season. Then there was an expectation around the Packers team, you know, making the playoffs and trying to make those deep runs. And that was, a, again, a lot of it associated around Aaron Rodgers. I think it was a team at that point where it was overachieving year on year. I think when we look at what they did then prior to his last two MVPs, that was a team that was kind of. And, and probably with those MVPs and not making it back to a Super Bowl, they were teams that were underachieving. I think they were a lot more rounded rosters. I think these rosters, there was a lot of question marks, a lot of holes. And again, Rodgers was pretty much a, a plaster to put out over all that, that you know, elevated the, the entire roster. When we look through some of the names, you know, as we move through the likes of a James Starks, Eddie Lacey at that time, there was two positive seasons prior to this. But, you know, Devontae Adams was in the slump of his career. I'm sure we'll talk about that. We have 
Jeff Janis. I'm sure we're going to talk about him, who had no impact on this game. But then we have like Aberderis, you know, James Jones was back at this time, like just uh, Randall Cobb. I guess we'll say Randall Cobb at that point was in his prime, but you know, it was still on the, the wane. So I don't think this roster was, you know, as good as maybe a 6 0 start, but the concerns that were really starting to to ramp up, as you mentioned, 6-0 at this point then with those games lost and having lost to the Lions. And I'm sure we're going to get into how the game progressed, but in this one, they they fall behind 20 to zip. They're 17-0 down at halftime. So there's a lot of things at that point as a Packers fan. You mentioned like as the angst building at that point, that really feels at halftime like your season is, is slipping away in a major way. And obviously one game less than we have now in these seasons. So every single game even mattered that little bit more i think so um yeah on the defensive side though we did have some players who were able to make plays but there was i think you know playmakers but not an overall defense again like maybe we've seen in recent years you know haha clinton dix was kind of rounding in sam shields was there pepper you mentioned clay matthews is there but just uh a lot of uh, other parts that maybe were letting the, letting plays happen rather than making plays Packers nearly come away with a pick on the first drive on Stafford, but they let that one yeah, slip away. 17-0 at halftime. Come on, really? The Lions having won three straight, and they're at this point three games back with five left, but were you, were you fearing the Lions breathing down your neck? Big time, big time, and especially as the game progressed. And the way this game played out is, I mentioned I was in Australia. The time difference obviously makes a factor in when these games take place, but um, I can't remember specifically. I think I watched this game on delay. So what I used to do when I was in Australia is I would go to work, and when I come back, the game, like I would not, you know, no phone coverage, no luck on it. And obviously back then as well, Twitter isn't as big of an issue. There's not a lot of ways to find out when you're in Australia in 2015, 2016 as to what the results are going to be. So with Game Pass then, and, and watch it as if it's live, but it is obviously on delay. So I think when it was at that point, and you know, as a fan, you might not want to admit this, but when you're 20 to zip down, there's a lot of those plays where you're like trying to skip that 10 seconds forward to see how we're getting, like, are we getting back here? I don't want to waste my time watching, yeah. <laughs> watching the slip away. But yeah, thankfully, as the, the game wore on, they did get back into it. And I, I want to highlight something here. We didn't mention this at the start, but and I didn't realize this until this week. This game actually has its own title as to how it finished up. But is yeah, they no try to brand it the Miracle and Motown. Mot- yeah, they try to Are make- you buying into that. No, I had that originally in the intro. I was like, I no one does anyone say that. Like, Nobody's going to know what that is. <laughs> but that is what it's uh, on yeah. on our on wikipedia it's under the the miracle of motown that's how i realized it branding opportunity that didn't quite work out yeah i always hear as just the rogers hail mary game or or the first one as we'll touch yeah, on we're later. gonna talk about that later yeah yeah the first one in a, in a kind of six week period <laughs> yeah which is so wild the lions get to that 20 nil lead uh it starts with a, they get a field goal after packers drop a pick and then Lions go up 10-0 on a drive where Amir Abdullah rips off a big chunk by shaking Morgan Burnett in the open field. A flashy play like the ones Abdullah made that preseason, vaulting him to fourth among rookies in MFL average draft position and overall fifth round ADP. Some might say a late riser. By his second year, that had dropped to more around the 7-8 round turn. Do you recall buying into the Amir Abdullah hype or any other 
players back in the day who made some exciting plays in the preseason. And what are your thoughts on when the needle moves in part because of rookie preseason uh, clips? I think now um, with the circulation, like if you think back to this time when things were happening, I'm sure there was people, you know, putting clips up on social media, but it, it wasn't as easy to, you know, have your smartphone record something, put it up for everyone to see those clips. You know, for example, at the moment, we're seeing the running backs who have been out injured with knee injuries and how their training process is going. Like, that wasn't happening back then. So you were going off what you see in some of those preseason games more so. And uh, I think now there's just so much more information. So you would have all the college clips. There wasn't as much of that being shared back in the day as well. But he was somebody who went in, in round two and, Although running backs, even at that time, were getting drafted later and later, he was somebody who a number of teams were looking for. Obviously, at the time, we knew that there was interest from other teams, but it came out after with some of the footage that was shared you know, from different draft stories and that, that the, the Cardinals really, really wanted to get Amir Abdullah a couple of picks later. He goes to the Lions. They end up drafting David Johnson a couple of picks after that. David Johnson also came into the NFL in pretty exciting fashion in those early games with you know, different returns for touchdowns, touchdowns from open play and so on. So when you look then, he I think he's the one that you know a lot of people would have jumped in on Amir Abdullah and uh, the profile that he has. Abdullah has always been interesting. Even this past year, I, I was tempted into drafting some Amir Abdullah and I, I did draft Amir Abdullah and that is in the, the year of 2022. So there is the, the profile there that's interesting, you know, and um, coming out as a rookie, I do think... You know, there was obviously positive buzz as well based on not only the highlights, but the, the draft position that he went as well. The Joik, Bell, and Theo Riddick would go into cap that perceived ceiling a little bit. Um, but summer of 2015 is known by leading historians as MFL summer. Best ball exploded with MFL 10s. Fun looking at the ear and shifting perceptions through MFL 10 ADP versus MFL 10 midseason draft ADP. So this is when we get into the, the Eric Ebron era. Starts at ADP 148, and by mid-October, he shot up to 84. Ebron snatches the first touchdown, and part of the reason is he rose his target displacement from Megatron and the downfield passing game in Jim Bob Cooter's offense, who had taken over for Joe Lombardi in October to prioritize getting the ball out quicker and shorter. Megatron's ADP drops from 13th overall to 48th in midseason drafts and on megatron connects with stafford on a jump ball in the end zone though makes it 17-0 lines in the first quarter as a packers fan heading into this game were you like what's going on over in detroit reeling in stafford from some of his strengths were you like love to see it or were you more worried about this new direction presented at the time i think when we look you know in hindsight and at the time you know stafford has all the ability in terms of making all the throws and you know, there's obviously concerns now as he ages that maybe that isn't still the case. But I do think there was that little bit of, I guess, to go to a Packers side of things, Brett Favre in terms of could make all the throws but didn't necessarily need to stay in structure. And sometimes that led to interceptions. He was never really afraid to turn the ball over. He had the, in my opinion, the best wide receiver. I was going to say of all time, I definitely think in the, the top three um, in terms of, you know, you could throw it down to Calvin Johnson pretty much any time. You knew he was down there somewhere and, it was pretty much a strong chance he was going to take it down. One of the one of my favorite Calvin Johnson plays of all time, and I'm sure people will recognize it. I believe it's the Cincinnati Bengals, the kind of three on one catch in the end zone, you know, and I pretty much so there's a lot of highlight plays, obviously, Calvin Johnson, but yeah, I think it was more a case of 
know try to limit the turnovers keep the ball maybe not put up as many points but also be able to to control the offense a little bit more to be a little bit more structured and again when we're talking about the packers that might be something that we see in 2023 potentially with jordan love being in there now that aaron Rodgers isn't there is it more structured is it more what the, the coach calls there the things that are going to be interesting but i remember at the start of that season a lot of a praise for the lions and how they were you know although they were not winning every game there was you know potential in the offense calvin johnson as well when we get to this point you know looking back we didn't really know it fully at the time but this is you know pretty much the the end of the the road here for calvin johnson and his career and if we the stuff has come out since again since the career has ended and how banged up he was how much pain he played through like it was pretty much a miracle that he is he is even on the field at this point he ended up with only 44 yards and eight targets in this game he had a hundred he had 150 targets this season 88 receptions you know so when we talk i know we talked about like you know trying to limit the turnovers and errors from stafford but the the connection just in terms of percentage of receptions had had died down quite a bit here for him and just looking at his career stats, amazing. In 2012, 122 receptions, but almost the 2,000 yards that season, that was on 205 targets Ooh. and 16 games. And yeah, his efficiency went down a lot this season. There's actually a couple plays that in the past seemed like they could have been walking touchdowns for Megatron this game. Um, he and Stafford unable to connect on a couple long throws where he's behind the defense. More shocking to you that the Lions never won a playoff game during the Megatron years or that they only won 2% of their games against the Packers? Oh, I, I'm going to pair both of those together. The problem they ran into as they were in the division with the Packers and the Packers, you know, were consistently getting to the playoffs. Obviously we've expanded the playoffs now in the NFL, but really unless you were the division champion again, it was a situation where you had to be a wild card and they weren't obviously really in a situation most years for either of them. They had a game against the and I believe Megatron was still playing at this time. They did play the Cowboys. And actually I think now pairing this up in my head as we're talking, I believe that's what led to the did Des catch it game uh and lambo i think the cowboys if i'm remembering correctly really scraped that out late on against the lions in that playoff game in dallas i could be completely wrong on that but i feel and uh that could have been the one that got away for them but there was obviously like i was saying with the packers and Aaron Rodgers covering up a lot of cracks i think this team would have been drastically bad and it was pretty bad but without imagine what it would have been without matthew stafford and calvin johnson for that portion of time it would have uh it would have been definitely even worse oh yeah very painful two-year stretch for the lines there they lose on that big flag that gets picked up late that uh really swings the game there to the cowboys and the wild card so here the following year lions trying to get back finally get that first playoff win since 91 um, what is now the league's longest playoff win drought and Packers are standing in their way, but Lions are up 20-0. Lions end the season seven and nine, Packers end at 10 and six. But if things go differently here, it could have been Lions eight, nine, Packers nine and eight with the tiebreaker. And who knows, maybe Lions come out a little less flat the following week after this and win instead of lose. Then you have a potential for Lions getting in on tiebreaker to get another shot at their first playoff win. Yeah, and th- this was a case where going into this, you mentioned the kind of Packers record and how the season has started. But the Packers go to eight and four after this. The Lions go to four and eight. So you could have you know a five and seven team, a seven and five team, much much closer as you mentioned. And 
when we get to how the game ended, there's you know full understanding why the the Lions came out flat uh, the following week. Packers off pass offense is struggling too, averaging 218 pass yards over this five game stretch. Yeah, shutout entering halftime. They end up going down 20 0 in the third quarter. But um, where are you at this point? Um, how much are you tilting? Are you remembering? Are you wondering when's Jordy coming back? If there's other people that can backfill uh, his production collectively, wh- where are you at right now, down 20 0? I think the season's over. I think that's probably where I was at at that point. I think, you know probably very angry <laughs> probably very disappointed um when seasons start off you know as fans we get drawn in and you know we've had those couple of seasons and you feel like you know we, we can right the wrong that you know we slipped up in those other playoffs that we mentioned at the start and start off six no you're thinking this is this is the year and then really starts to fall off you mentioned the struggles passing you mentioned no Jordy nelson Devonte adams is struggling at this point in the second season and um i i think just it's all falling apart. It's over. The other thing to remember too, and I, I just want to add this in, is like Rogers now has moved to the the Jets, obviously. But if you think even back to this, you know, with out up onto Tom Brady has done what he did and played for as long as he did. You know, you were looking at those like the years in your late thirties or where like it's over, you know, and you're looking at championship windows and the only you're not going to keep getting those opportunities every single single season, and it feels like that window at this point if they don't win this season we know we continue to play on but based on historical trends it felt like we were really starting to get to the end of the the rogers situation here we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. 
No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. It seemed like without without Jordy, Randall Cobb was the only target Rodgers trusted for the most part. And looking at Rotovis tools, including the NFL player Stat Explorer, even as his binky Cobb only finished as a wide receiver one in two games in 2015, none over the second half of the year with just one wide receiver two weekly finish over that stretch. Uh, really a trying season overall for Aaron Rodgers and per the Rotovis screener had a passing fantasy points over expectation that was five times lower than the year prior. You can also track the rise and fall of Eddie Lacy there. What was your relationship like with the Eddie Lacy experience and how much exposure did you have in 2015, if you recall? Obviously, when Eddie came into the league, that was 2013. He's drafted in the second round. And, you know, if you think back to the Zero RB article, Sean Siegel comes out in 2013. Like people were still very, very heavy on the running back. I know people are still loving the running backs, but heavy on running backs back in the day. So, a lot of people, including myself, would have been very much interested in drafting Eddie Lacy, a second-round running back at that point. I believe he was the second running back off the board in that draft. And then this is a couple of seasons later. But when he comes in, and it was never, you know, the most graceful with Eddie Lacy. It was, you know, a, pretty much a bowling ball running, <laughs> running downhill and, you know, bouncing off people, spinning. You know, I haven't seen as many run maybe it was just more obvious with Eddie Lacy because it seemed like there was more of a body to him when he did his spin but you know spinning out of tackles but we go into 2013 his rookie season plays 15 games over a thousand yards um you know heads into 2014 over a thousand yards again 11 touchdowns as a rookie nine touchdowns in the second season that is on the ground only and we're looking then at 20 touchdowns on the ground in the first two seasons has no rushing or receiving touchdowns in year one but does have 35 receptions is 42 receptions in 2014 for four touchdowns so Eddie Lacy's off to a pretty good start here in an offense that is like having issues at this point but is consistently uh, you know productive but it really falls off for him in in 2015 you know 758 yards three touchdowns uh, on the on the ground two in the air so production two at the you know, on the receiving side falls off with James Starks back, 42 receptions in 2014, drops down to 20 at that point. And then it really just, you know, 2016 falls away altogether, is injured, but 71 carries, 360 yards, no touchdowns, no touchdowns through the air, just the the four receptions, plays uh, five games. So then he's off to the Seahawks and, and then he's done in the NFL. So it really was a kind of, I guess, you know, saying, we I don't know if it's common in the U.S. as well, but a flash in the pan. <laughs> but, it, you know, it, it was like a, not a 15 minutes of fame, it was like a two and a half seasons of fame for Eddie Lissy. But it was fun while it was going on because the problem the Packers had had for a long time was they didn't have that kind of tree down or bell cow running back, you know, and he was somebody who came in in a different mold to that offense. That spin move was perfect for Lambeau in the winter. You know, if you squint, you can almost see like the steam come off it. Trying to tackle him in the in the cold, it's not. I don't think that's going to be a, a fun situation. Fun error there, though. Here in the dome, outgained by Starks and a John Crockett. Uh, though gaining isn't much since Lacey only had one yard and six touches here on Thursday night. 
He had apparently broken curfew the night before, was being punished in some. There, there was some, uh, and I didn't want, I, I never like to make jokes about like, you know, diets and things like that, but there was definitely off the field distractions for Eddie Lacey that caused an end of his time in Green Bay. And I think this, around this time, was where it started to really derail for him. Yeah, the, the Eddie Lacey training camp picks were always of uh, great intrigue. Yeah, the Packers like to they cycle the you know the bikes to training and training camp, and there was always a lot of discussion around Eddie Lacey's picks. And and early on, he defied the the I guess negative press on that. Did really well here in 2015 was sort of the beginning of the end. Uh, from a fantasy football lens, 2015 presented a seismic shift with the Packers and for the league. Lacey was going third overall. The NFL drafts uh, injury plagued season as well. By mid October, he had fallen to ADP 36. Le'Veon Bell went first, and Jamal Charles went fourth, both out with season-ending injuries. By this, well before this point here, week 13, Adrian Peterson went fifth, which was fine that year, but not what he wanted during the fantasy playoff weeks. Underdog was around back then. I'd be curious after that season to see how Peterson fared in the road of his underdog advanced rate explorer. All tools you can use when evaluating the, fan, the fantasy landscape going forward, dear listener. Uh, also, this is the second offseason after, as you mentioned, uh, Siegel's anti-fragility article. I, I heard you on, the, on a pod the other day talk about how the conventional wisdom can over-index on a particular position in the first round. That's something that can swing between positions over the years. Uh, do you recall the top of this 2015 season's draft at the running back position if not generally the drafts of the mid-2010s, as having an impact on your fantasy football philosophy? I think obviously much it was much more running back heavy at that time. I think, you know, if, if you come around out of a draft in, in this range, and yeah, probably still in, in 2015 and beyond, you know, with two wide receivers in the opening two rounds, like there was a lot of questions about if you knew what you were doing when you were <laughs> drafting a, a fantasy team. Um, so there was al- always like kind of, I wouldn't say a stigma, but, People thought that they were right by going heavy at running back. Running backs were so important. Obviously, running backs in this point too, like even Eddie Lacy, who was having some issues, may have not have, may not have been the most athletic. You know, they, there was a lot more bell cows. You know, you mentioned Adrian Peterson, but by the time Adrian Peterson retired, he was almost like one of the last of a, a breed. And even Peterson himself was somebody who didn't catch passes. And with the explosion of PPR, for example. You know that became such a, an important part that also helped obviously the wide receiver position but i do think it was much more a case of people liking to get those running backs and you know starting with three running backs in a draft was not something that was overly unexpected the other thing was that fantasy in, in general has changed a lot where more leagues have added more flex positions you know to their formats and in that case you know if it's a if it was a two running back two wide receiver tight end and a quarterback league you know the the need to obviously have those wide receivers in the first and second round wasn't important you know it kind of boosted having to start running backs maybe a surprise to some at this point that he'd be easy number one in a few years there uh Devante adams at receiver as uh receivers start to move into the the first round there uh in fantasy packers claw back starks fumbles into the end zone and Cobb cl- clutch in so many ways beats the line to the ball in the end zone Julius Peppers strip sack on Stafford and then sophomore Devontae Adams, who is only 4,600 on DraftKings to give you a snapshot at that time. That's the same price as latter day James Jones. He scores on sort of a sluggo in the red zone. Won't be the first time he and Rodgers connect on that. When did you start to buy in on Devontae Adams? At the end, and again, we did actually touch on it, that 
uh, game where Dindes catch it. Um, that game was a playoff game in Lambo, and that was one where we've seen him step out as a rookie and have some plays in a playoff game. And I think that was the first time that I, you know, was really thinking as a fan rather than from a fantasy aspect, this guy could develop into a wide receiver. But then we come out this next season as a sophomore and he really is, is struggling at that particular point. So as a rookie, as the 38 receptions, you know, three touchdowns, but as a in his second year, including this place, three less games, has 12 more receptions, the 50 receptions, but he finishes with pretty much the same amount of yards, but just the one touchdown in that time. There was a lot of people like I I remember playing in Dynasty Leagues where Devontae Adams was pretty much a, a throw in or cut in leagues. And I, I again if we think back to then, you know, there was like, you know, we talk a lot about second year breakouts now. Well, this was somebody who didn't have a second year breakout. It was a second year like slump that he had. But when we look then at how, you know, players used to, like we used to have a three-year window for a rookie to when they may break out. There was a lot of third-year breakouts at that point. And that is really what Adam's done. He came in as a, in his third year, the year after this, and was almost at a thousand yards, but he had a stretch then the next three seasons. So he has three touchdowns and one touchdown. So you can see why people are concerned about that end of production. He has pretty much the same amount of year, or yards in 2016 as he has in his first two seasons, almost a thousand yards, just three yards short. But he has 12 touchdowns, 10 touchdowns, 13 touchdowns. So 35 touchdowns over those next three seasons. So it was really an explosion. And we know that that continued um you know the only season that he hasn't hit double digits was a 12 game season in, in 2019 for him so definitely didn't see it going to where it went and where it has gone now to where uh, Devonte adams in my opinion is a first ballot hall of famer and w- i do think in terms of what he has done i think he's changed the game we look at what justin jefferson does now in terms of his right running and things like that i think those guys are you know doing what they're doing now based on what Devonte adams was doing not in his first and second year, but from then on in terms of right running and what he's able to do. I have a Devontae Adams signed jersey on my wall over on this side. And even though he's no longer a Packers, still one of my favorite players of all time. Nelson would come back the next season and him and Devontae Adams uh, together would revive Packers offense. The, yeah, perhaps, yeah, uh, Devontae Adams walked in year one, year one and two. So J- Justin Jefferson could run. Um <laughs> And they also always, the talk is always with the Packers. You mentioned about drafting and, you know, not do, doing free agency, but the t- conversation has always been that the Packers didn't give Rodgers enough talent, you know, no no wide receivers in the first round, basically. But um, he was another second round pick. We have a lot of incredibly talented second round picks that have come through Green Bay. So, um, you know, another one for Ted Thompson, who has passed away since this, but uh, was a great general manager. Yeah, you get Devani Adams and Jory Nelson in the second round. You're doing something right. And, and speaking of this specific team, second rounder Randall Cobb as well, although was on the, the downside here. Just a, amazing what they did through the, the wide receivers at that point. So they have just enough there. Devontae Adams makes it 20 to 14. I mean, it's 2014 going in the fourth quarter. So the comeback isn't uh, so wild in it's like total scale, but there's just a couple moments in the fourth quarter where it seems like it's done, but it isn't quite because tight end Richard Rodgers. Packers down nine, 23-14. When uh, Lions get in the field goal range, uh, Golden Tate, who actually had the more catches than Kelvin Johnson over this early Jim Bob Cooter stretch, um, he gets them in the field goal range, big fourth to two conversion. Two-score game now, 23-14. Rodgers has seven minutes, though. 
Uh, Richard Rodgers makes some big catches well before what we'll see at the end. Eight on eight targets for 146 and a touchdown. 3,100 on DraftKings. You could get 10x from the tight end position. Uh, were you surprised when the Packers went and got Jared Cook the following offseason? And on this Thursday night, were you bullish on the Rodgers to Rodgers connection being one to go through the years? And, and funny enough, I know the game was Thursday night football. The interesting part is this was, as I mentioned, Friday for me because of the time difference in uh, Australia. So uh, Richard Rodgers, it was wasn't really a surprise it was drafted in the third round um in 2014 so quite a bit of a capital invested in him but i didn't really ever feel like it was going to be you know going to be the superstar tight end but had a solid career still playing a little bit in the league was with the chargers for a, a brief time last season so i, I wasn't surprised jared cook hadn't really had a, a ceiling at that point and there was still the the potential and, and again if we look at some playoff games we mentioned the cowboys earlier people remember another game with a crazy end and the mason crosby field goal set up by a jared cook sideline toe tap and grab down in and dallas so he had his moments as well but definitely the the high point here for richard rogers and somebody who was a i really enjoyed having him as a packer but wasn't again one of the primary targets when we look at who we were hoping to have making the impact in the likes of Cobb Adams or Nelson, even though Nelson was uh, out at this point. But this game for him was crazy. So I don't know if we're at the point where we get to the the real finale, um, but I'll let you take it away and uh, you can give it the color commentary as we move into it. Just about there, uh, Richard Rogers, two big completions to get to, on the scoring drive that makes it 23-21. Rogers runs it in. Lions get it back. Stafford hits uh, a big third down to Jones, not Marvin. He wasn't there yet. TJ Jones. This means Detroit can run the clock down to about 30 seconds. Uh, Packers get it back. They end up, things transpire to where they only have one play left at their own 21. A bunch of laterals to see what happens. Richard Rodgers is familiar with this, his father having been involved in the Stanford Cal back in the day. Rodgers gets the ball back, thrown to the ground, but wait, a face mask. One that's kind of tough to blame the defensive lineman for, but that's tough. 15-yard penalty. Packers are in range for Aaron Rodgers there. Call him, can you even watch at this point? Or are you standing on your couch? What's the move for you here? I, I'm sitting at the edge of a, a bed. I, I watched that. I mentioned the sliding door. Pretty much a sliding door with a basically a glass wall, I guess, paper thin. You can see through to the far side, basically. I'm sitting on a bed with the laptop kind of biting my nails hoping that something happens but you've been in this situation before where yeah you know game's over the play oh oh, there's a flag maybe something happens here but how many times like we see on time downs at the end of the games but how many times does that lead to something and how many times does that lead to something if the ball isn't let's say inside the 10 yard line so even with that you know we're in a situation where we're at the green bay 39 after the 15 yard penalty so we have the third and 10, as you mentioned, at the 21. As that play goes, it's it's complete for far, or for 19 yards. The lateral that you mentioned goes to Rogers, it goes for minus 16 yards. So then it's a 15-yard penalty from there that puts it at the Green Bay 39 on an untimed down. So there's like all this being sorted out. You've already thought the game's over, obviously, multiple times. But looking back at this, what I went in to check was the the play-by-play. And, the you know, it's first and 10 with two minutes and 11 seconds left with the Lions at the Detroit 47. 
They run the ball for no gain, gets it to the two-minute warning. They run it again for minus two yards. They run it again on third and 12 for minus one yard. I I do think, you know, with analytics now, I'm pretty sure that they're going to try and get a force down there and the game's over. Like, bad management, I think, but they get it to 29 seconds. And again, 29 seconds, the Packers get it back at the Green Bay 21. They're still probably thinking that, you know, the game's okay at that point. But uh, when it gets to that Rodgers Hail Mary attempt, there's obviously now we have Patrick Mahomes, for example, in the league with Josh Allen. But at that point in 2015, I don't think there is many quarterbacks who are getting the ball that distance. And the one thing I always remember about this, you mentioned it being in the dome. When he throws this ball and it goes as high as it does, every time I see the replay of it, I'm expecting it to like hit the screen, hit a wire. I'm expecting it not to you know, be able to, to travel because it is thrown at such a trajectory. But again, and we'll touch briefly, I'm sure, before we finish on the, the other Hail Mary, but the, the kind of spin away for Rodgers to set up to throw those Hail Marys kind of became a little bit of a, a routine play for the Packers at, at points from this point forward. But again, as that ball's in the air, it's kind of a case you see the players waiting to be able to catch the ball. The defenders are ready to compete with the, the offensive players. You kind of almost see like Richard Rodgers at the very last second almost kind of back his way into the end zone he's in front of the pile he catches it and looks like one of the more routine catches that you could actually make uh so absolutely and then the thing that i always remembered is I, at that point i obviously like you know i'm wondering is there any other flags but i, I shout and i mentioned my wife isn't a sports fan and i go in she's like what are you what happened like she doesn't know what's going to happen at that point because i've been so quiet about the game and then uh it's kind of I think I got in a bit of trouble for shouting as loud as I did. And then I was like, this here play, it's amazing. And then she couldn't have cared less while I showed her the replay. So there was all those kind of things to go into it. But it's one of those things that when that happens, that kind of uh, instant reaction, like you can't plan that if they get a Hail Mary play to win the game, how you're going to react. But I just remember like the chaos of the celebration, the players running everywhere. Um, And there is always something a little bit special about playing at a rival stadium and you know getting that walk-off score you know to, to really sink a dagger and so yeah it, again came from you know if we're looking at potential win probabilities you know at half time and at 20 to zero i'm sure this here one was heavily stacked in the favor of the lions and come back even at that very late point i i would imagine it's you know pretty much in the high 90s again for the the lions to walk away with it so just an, an absolutely spectacular uh finish to a game Jim Caldwell doesn't have Megatron out there because Packers had just run a lateral play. So Lions are seemingly ready for the, the lateral play there, potentially. They end up with the opposite problem of when the Patriots had Gronk out there in Miami three years later. So they win here 27-23 on their way, another playoff berth. They make it to the divisional round. We see that again. Aaron Rodgers to Jeff Janis as he and uh jared aberderis combined for like 200 yards that game i think about 150 were janice probably should have had one in this lions game a dime dropped in by rogers earlier uh they don't come up with it his combine measurables have uh spawned some ones in the road of his archives such as jeff janice and nfl draft love story and later on don't hate jeff janice hate me calm as a packers fan were you also a janice stan oh yes uh fond memories of both jeff janice and hoping he would become a thing and also 
you know, the the yearly conversations around like why is Jeff Janis not getting, you know, 100 targets from Aaron Rodgers? Like, why is this not happening? Let's get get rid of Jordy Nelson. Just give Jeff Janis the ball. So uh, it went on and on, and it never really happened. But I think the closest it ever came and the one that will always sit in my memory is that game that you mentioned. They, they go into the playoffs. They lose in heartbreaking. There's a theme here for the playoffs, isn't there? They lose in heartbreaking fashion. Uh, they... You know, they're on a run here where between the Seahawks and the, the NFC Championship game, the games versus the 49ers, and then they lose here to the Cardinals in Arizona to Larry Fitzgerald with, you know, first playoff overtime. I believe he went 75 yards. They finish it off shortly after that. He's tackled at the five-yard line. He runs through everybody. But before that, the Packers are in Hail Mary mode, I guess we say again. They're, they're down. They finished that game 2020, and the reason they do so is thanks to Jeff Janis catching Hail Mary once again, 41-yard uh, yard touchdown. I still think we can call that a, a Hail Mary based on how it played out. That was not an easy catch. That was one that they were like kind of wrestling on the ground. Really, really you know, fun play, spectacular play again, one that I was hoping. And the theme as well was overtimes where Aaron Rodgers didn't get the ball first. We've seen multiple times where the Packers got knocked out in overtime where he wasn't getting the ball. But prior to that Hail Mary in this particular game, he goes for seven of 11 targets, seven receptions, 145 yards, and two touchdowns in this game. The other part, though, is that he goes, there's a deep pass to Jeff Janis, which led to a penalty on that drive. There's... A fourth and 20 at the Green Bay four-yard line that goes to Jeff Janis for 60 yards. That is with 55 seconds left in that game. And then the Hail Mary takes place with no seconds left. It is caught. So on that final drive, he caught 101 yards because there was also a penalty on that drive and a touchdown on two receptions. So one of the, the I think that might be one of the best wide receiver drives of all time. By Jeff Jones. Comparing the, these two games, the the Lions Hail Mary game and the and the Cardinals one. To be honest, the re, both of the the one was that we won the game, and one was that it was a tie, and you knew it was going to overtime. And obviously, you need to know then: Are you getting the ball? Can you score? Do you win? Do you lose? The thing with the Lions game was it was the final play, and it put you in the lead. So even on that uh, Hail Mary, Jeff Jones in the playoffs. Mason Crosby had to score the extra point. So as excited as you are, there's also that bit of doubt in your mind, oh, what if we missed the extra point? And there wasn't as many missed extra points back at that point before the, the rules changed up. But I, I think that's the only reason that the Arizona game isn't above the Detroit one is because one was a win, one ended up being a loss. So obviously that's a, a major factor into to how all that played out. This has been another episode of Remember That Game. Please rate, review, subscribe, and check out more episodes.